Welcome to Shelf Logic, the official podcast of the Maricopa County Library District. Hello, everybody, and welcome to your next episode of Shelf Logic. This is Jen at Southeast. I'm Danielle, also at Southeast. And Jennifer at Perry Library in Gilbert. And we are so excited to come to you today to talk about a few titles, um, and these are all in the YA section or the teen section you might be familiar with at, uh, at the branches. We're excited to get started today. And these are all pretty recent releases or at least kind of relevant, like, you know what I mean, happening now. People are interested in them and reading them. So we just wanted to uh, go ahead and get started with my first one. Uh, it's called The Grace Year by Kim Liget. Lig- I looked up, I tried to see a video online how to pronounce her name, but I couldn't find one. Uh, K-I-M-L-I-G-G-E-T-T. And you can see I'm holding up. It's a beautiful pink cover. I've been going through like a really strong pink phase in my life the color not the band (laughs) and so this cover is just really beautiful and it's actually like a more recent version of the cover that has come out this was published in 2019 and it's going to be made into a movie have either of you heard of this book no i do like the cover though i know i'm obsessed with the cover (laughs) i i wanted to get a pink drink at um one of those large coffee retailers and I, and then trick it while I drank the book because it would match. Anyway, <laughs> this is following a young, like uh, a young woman in kind of like what's like led to believe like our future, basically like the United States. It's like a dystopian. Yes, it is dystopian. You got to be prepared for that. It's one of those, but it's worth reading. And it's not like, I don't know. Sometimes I don't know if we've been feeling like burnt out on that, like either because of reality that we live in, or just like so many of those teen dystopian books that we've read already, it's worth it. Don't feel that way going into this. So basically, she's living in this society that's like super, I mean, super controlling of of women specifically, but like also to be honest, men also, you know what I mean? In those, in that kind of society, that's what's happening. And so basically she's turning 16 and in this society, this is what's so wild is you don't know whether... Like, you don't know whether there's actually magic or if it's actually, like, made up. So, basically, you're reading and you're trying to figure out what's happening because they say when you're 16, that's the grace year. And, basically, girls who are 16, they're, like, they they come into their full magic such that it's, like, it'll drive men wild. Like, it'll lure them from their sleep. And then, like, women get, like, really jealous of them and, like, X, Y, Z. So, basically, it's, like, they have such power in this year. And you're, like... As a reader, you're like, that's not real because if you're thinking about like world as it is, but but it, when you're in the book, you're like, I don't know, like, do they have magic powers? I don't know. And so basically what the society has decided is they send all of the 16-year-old girls away, like kind of like on a pilgrimage, but basically it's like a full year long. They have to go like live out basically in this wild area and they have to get their magic out. They have to like get rid of it. Like, you know what I mean? Like they need to come back like purified basically. Um, all the 16 year old girls, they kind of like make this journey and I'll tell you like, just like little bits and pieces of what's so wild is, um, like literally they're like walking there. Right. And on the path, they have to stay on the path because if they like don't stay on the path, what the poachers will get them. And like, there's like this weird, this is going to get dark to be honest, but they will like sell the girls who are deceased because they get them to be deceased and they'll sell like parts of them back to the villagers because they think that they're so powerful in that year. It's like kind of like how people sell like uh, illegal things. So they're like, this is going to make you like live forever or whatever. It's like they sell that, you know, so, and it's like really messed up. What's so weird though, is that like 
if they stay, if they get off the path at all, then the poachers will like be there right there and get them. But if they stay on the path, they're fine. But I'm convinced, this is what you have to know, convinced that it's like literally the villagers and like their like fathers and the other townspeople because like they're just trying to control them to get to this. Anyways, they're just trying to control them. And they're even controlling each other. So that's what's so wild. And like, this is, this is like the dynamics that are in play here. It's like a huge like focus on like, society controlling women but then also in that kind of state how the dynamics between women and like girls interact and how they can even be you know enemies to each other it is just it's really interesting and really sad but really really good because obviously you're you're rooting for tyranny she's the main character in this situation that's kind of like a mix it's it literally is the intersection of like handmaid's tale and lord the flies because, like, they go out and they have to live. It's it's so good. I have chills, like, thinking about it. But you have to read it. <laughs> Very good. One thing that I did want to mention is, and this is in the back of the book, too. This is one of the reasons that made me want to read it, too. The, the author goes into, like, why she wrote the book and, like, how it happened. She was at Penn Station, just, like, like people watching or whatever. And there was, like, a young, like, like I don't know, like, 13-year-old girl, girl or something, like, kind of, like, bouncing around, um, excited. And she just kind of saw like others reactions to her. And like, she saw like an, like an older guy being a little bit creepy. And then she saw like another woman sizing her up somehow now as like competition. And it's just like all this, all society has like all these like things based at young girls and like young women. And like, you have to be like this way or like, I'm going to hate you or I'm going to, you know what I mean? Or you're for me and how, we can navigate that as society. And basically there was a really good quote um, that I read of a review of this book as well. Let's see. Oh, quote, it's not from the review. It's from the author. I think growing up is one very long grace year. I mean, it's brutal for girls, right? We place this impossible set of standards on them and project all of our fear and desire on them. And when they falter, they're entirely to blame. I just think it's, I cannot like say enough that it's such a good book and you have to read it. So the grace year. Wow. I would like to read that one. Jennifer, I think you really want to read it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think so. Dystopian. I'm not, I'm not burnt out on it. Oh, really? Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's really funny because the book that I read is Agnes at the end of the world. Have you, either of you read this? Uh-uh. No, it's, it, it kind of is a really good one to follow your book because it is, um, about a teen who's raised in a religious cult and um, Agnes like grew up in this it's called Red Creek and it's in Arizona but it's fictional <laughs> and it's really beautiful and really tranquil and you know the members um, that live there they work together and they care for each other they worship God but the there's a prophet involved. The prophet is Jacob Rollins and rules are really strict and punishment is really harsh for those who don't follow them. And the boys only have four rules. They have to wear like starch collars and long pants and closed toe shoes. They have to go to sermons three times a week and they have to marry whoever the prophet like has a revelation that they should marry. And then they also can't watch like TV or listen to secular music or um, 
or read like, you know, newspapers or anything like that. But like the list of rules for girls is like <laughs> pages long, you know, basically if you wrote them all down. So in addition to all the ones that the boys have, they have to like cover every bit of exposed skin. They can't wear makeup or jewelry. They can never talk to boys who aren't their brothers. Um, they can't cut their hair. They have to wear it in a certain way. They can never um, wear the color red. They can't learn to drive a car or even leave the, um, you know, the um, the town with this Red Creek without a male to accompany them. Um, and they can never talk to anyone from outside and never complain. And they will be, it, it's an arranged marriage. And so like Agnes grows up in this and it's really normal for her. Um, she really likes living there. It's really peaceful and, you know, beautiful. And, but she, her mother is sick and like bedridden. So she does all the work for caring for her younger siblings and she runs the whole house and she's probably the same age, like 15 or 16. And then, um, she has a sister who's real close in age to her named Beth, and she has a much harder time living under the rules. Like she, they talk about being in rebellion. So she is um, in love with another, you know, a boy in the community, which is, would be not allowed. And she talks a lot about leaving, wanting to leave and then see what the world is like and things like that when Agnes is pretty much, you know, stuck there. Um, and the story kind of alternates chapters between Beth and um, Agnes. And Agnes is so faithful and so good, but she has this big secret that she once a month she meets an outsider because her little brother has diabetes and she needs the um, insulin. And this outsider who's a nurse brings the insulin to her and she buries it in her garden and then like doles it out to her brother, her little brother to keep him alive. And um, her Beth knows she sneaks out and she thinks she's in rebellion and all this, but you know, it's a secret then. And then it comes down. Her father tells her that the prophet has had a revelation and that she's going to marry, um, Matthew, who is like an older man. She's going to be a sixth wife. And <laughs> she's obviously really worried that she, about her little brother, whose name is Ezekiel, and what's going to happen to him. Um, so she kind of gets a little bit more time for the marriage to take place. So um, she's like, well, what am I, am I going to be able to convince Beth, you know, who really wants to leave to, to take care of Ezekiel? What's going to happen? You know, she's and then I have to reveal the secret that I'm meeting these outsiders because it's a nurse who had saved Ezekiel's life that's bringing this insulin once a month. And one time the nurse can't come. So she sends her son to bring the insulin. And the son is the same age as her. And he drops off the cooler, but he reveals that there is a virus <laughs> that is sweeping the outside world. Wait, when did this book come out? Well, that's what's so interesting. So this book 
came out literally in June of 2020. She so ahead of time. I know she knew. Yeah, so it was written. So she wrote it before the before the pandemic. Oh my gosh! And it came out right in the middle, like right as it started, pretty much the pandemic. And um, the virus is like really. Um, it's not like COVID. <laughs> it's kind of really bizarre. It's. Um, <laughs> and this virus is spreading. Um, the prophet has decided it's now the end times that he's been predicting. And he wants everybody to go into this bunker that's underground. And of course, that would be incredibly dangerous because you don't want to be near somebody that has this virus. Right. And it's starting to come into the community. Like she sees like an animal that has it. And, you know, it's that's scary. That's scary. Uh but the but it's also this really weird virus that it almost starts to sound almost like a zombie apocalypse like it it has that element in it too it's almost it's you know so it causes whoever gets it to like form a nest with other people and, <laughs> and they like they like get stuck together it's it's really bizarre um so Agnes has to escape. She has to take Ezekiel. And, and then it becomes clear that she has like a special connection with this virus. It's really, it's, it sounds really bizarre, but it is like, I just read it like straight through. It was yeah. so, um, that's the thing. Why book are so, so fun like that? <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, it, it really has a strong theme about faith, but not necessarily religious faith. It could be any type of faith. Like it could be faith in humanity, faith in yourself, faith in science. All of those are represented in the book, but how um, that's the answer to despair. You know, it's like um, faith gives us hope and keeps us moving forward, even in the darkest times that, you know, to have faith in something, faith in yourself, faith in, like I said, science, medicine, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's so bizarre that, you know, um, that it has that apocalypse. I mean, you know, they're like running around Phoenix and, you know, there's like everybody's dying and, you know, it's crazy. Um, that because I feel like so rarely, I feel like we get so many like zombie apocalypse shows that are like set in LA and New York. I would, yeah. I want to see, I, I want them to be like, and they were running down Chandler Boulevard. And that's all <laughs> it's not quite that, that, um, that descriptive, but it's obvious that they're, you know, yeah. um, in that air, in the area, um, you know, and, but anyway, it's great. It is, it talks about like, also like for teens, I think to be critical thinkers and to question, you know, what, um, you know, who, who is benefiting from this belief? What, you know, what, um, you, you know, how can we be emotionally healthy relationships with our, you know, family, with our neighbors, with our religious faith, with, you know, the author um, thanks at the end, you know, she kind of talks about where she got the Zika virus was actually the um, the inspiration for the virus. Originally, she was reading about Zika, which we kind of forgot all about. Um, <laughs> and she um, also she talked about that 
um, it, that the Agnes's Red Creek was directly inspired by Carolyn Jessup's portrayal of her life in Escape, which is a memoir about the fundamentalist church of Latter-day Saints, um, which, you know, I think we all remember in Colorado City, Arizona. Um, so, you know, she says we must all be aware of who authors our beliefs and it is our duty and our right to ask as many questions about our received belief systems as we are able. Yeah. So I really like that. It's a, you know, it's really a deep novel, but it will suck you in. It, it you know, I didn't want to put it down. So really good. That's awesome. I want to read that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you would like it. I think. I will love it. I love it. <laughs> um, so the book that I read and it's part of a series that I'm still in the middle of, um, is a court of thorns and roses. Oh yeah. Um, I know yeah. that one is, is pretty popular. Um, it is a series that a lot of people have recommended to me. So many reviews are good reviews of it. Um, it's definitely like, I love fantasy. I love YA. Um, like it's, it's everything that I love. I just kept putting it off. I was like, nah, yeah. nah eh, I'll get to it. <laughs> um, and finally, you know, somebody just another, another person recommended it to me and I was like, all right, I need to check this book out. Um, and it is every bit as good as ah! everything that I, <laughs> so I'm kind of like, man, why did I sit on this for so long? Um, but so the, the book is about this first one. It's about uh, so there's the the human realm and then the fey realm, and um, there was a war like 500 years prior um, between the two, and the resolution to that basically was a wall that separated humans from fairies. Um, but the fairies could get through it, and humans could too to their detriments. Because if humans went over there, there were fairies that would like kill them and eat them. And yeah. humans hated fairies, um, and vice versa. Um, and then there's um, the main character. Her name is Feyre, and her family is destitute. They went from basically riches to rags, and so she had to. She promised her mother that she would take care of her family. And she basically kind of like Katniss um, from Hunger Games, she learned how to hunt. Um, and so that's what she was doing to keep her family alive. And one of the times that she was out hunting, she saw, um, a, I think it was a deer. And she was pretty sure, though, that it was a fairy, like disguised as a deer. Um, so she took an ash arrow, which is one of the few things that fairies are um, like, it's like their kryptonite, I guess. And she shot it no. th thinking that it was potentially a fairy. She shot it and with the intention of killing it. Um, and she did. And then she goes home and this other fairy who is like, he's transformed as like a beast claws, huge, scary beast comes knocking at her door because they knew that she had killed a fairy. Um, and this, Beast gave her two choices. She could either come live in the, the Fey realm for the rest of her life, or he could kill her right then and there in front of her family. Um, so she goes with him, and they go to the Fey world, and they're in this land called Prithian. And there's a bunch of different courts. So there's the spring court, the autumn court, the winter court, summer court, day court, night court. Um, so there's a bunch of different courts that that make up this land, and she's living in the spring court. And obviously she 
their enemies. She hates them. She hates that she they stole her from her family. Um, she doesn't know who's going to take care of her family now because she was the only person who could. Um, but your typical enemies to lovers uh-huh. scenario, they end up um, reconciling. Uh, Feyre loves to paint, so she paints as much as she can from Prithian. She's in this beautiful spring court. Um, and the, the beast who took her, his name is Tamlin. He ends up being um, the high lord of the spring court. And he has a mask on his face. Everybody at the spring court has a mask. All she can see is their eyes. And she learns that in Prithian, there's this thing called the blight. Um, and it is basically like an illness on the land. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's like a curse. The land is cursed. And the spring court specifically is cursed with these masks that they can just never remove. Um And later she finds out that there was a high fae. I mean, she's not a witch. She's a fairy. But basically she's like a witch, like evil, evil fae. Um, And she's the one who put this curse on the spring court. She put a curse on all the courts, all of Prithian. Um, And so Feyre comes face to face with her um, to try to fight for Tamlin to save the spring court that she fell in love with. It became her home. Um, and she is tasked to complete three three tasks um, or answer a riddle. And if she was able to do that, then Amarantha, um, the the woman who put the curse on everybody, would release all of them from the from the curse. Um, because part of the curse is she took all of the High Lord's power. Like they only have a fraction of what their full power is. Um, and so I'm not, I don't want to spoil it, but so she, she's kind of struggling with that. Like, um, how does she reconcile having to leave her family? Is her family going to survive? But then she really loves where she is. Um, there's another character, Lucian, who becomes like a really good friend to her. Um, obviously she loves Tamlin, but then she has to try to save them. And she's just a human. She doesn't have magical powers and she's up against all of this magic. Um, and when she's trying to complete these tasks, some other fairies who have been also cursed are there um, and they're kind of like nudging her and helping her and like giving her um, like small magical helps. Um, but she ends up relying. It, it does remind me a lot of the Hunger Games because she relies a lot on what she had to do as a human to survive, yeah. to survive this curse. And I guess it's not too much of a spoiler because there's obviously more books. There's five books in the series. So she she does um, end up doing that. But then there's obviously worse that right. comes next. So oh um, it just was a very interesting take on the Fae. I like uh-huh. reading books that are fantasy Fae um, fairies. But it's not like typical fairies with, with their fairy wings and magic right. dust and stuff. Like um, it's kind of like they're magician like they have magical powers um and so it's it's just so good i i don't know why i sat on it for so long um i know i'm still people everybody's telling me to read it and i just haven't but you should okay well (laughs) you should read it Uh, they are i will say they are big books it is um it's a commitment uh but i've been listening to the audiobooks um, and i actually really like the audiobooks oh, and sure. they're pretty readily available on like um 
on Libby and Hoopla. Okay. So I haven't really had long waits. Like I know through the library, there have been some pretty decent holds, um, hold for it. Um, but I mean, if audiobooks are your thing, there's not really a long wait. I think one of them, I think it was, um, the second one, the, a court of mist and fury. Um, I got that one on Hoopla and there was no wait for it. So yeah, that's never a wait on Hoopla. Yes. <laughs> so if you're if you're like me and you've been hearing how good this is and yeah. you've just been waiting, definitely this is your sign. Check it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will caveat one thing. I there has been some controversy around the series about whether or not it should be a YA book. Um, as of now, it is. It's still uh-huh. it's still YA. Um, there is some sexual content. Uh, that's a little bit explicit. So I can see why there's a push to get it out of YA and into like new mm-hmm. adult. Um, so just something to keep in mind if that's something that you're not really, yeah. you don't really want to read, then then maybe this isn't your sign. <laughs> but I mean, if it, if that's not something that makes you too uncomfortable and you're okay mm-hmm. with it, then definitely read these books because they're so good. Yeah. Yeah. We gotta check them so out. Maybe for the <laughs> oldest, the older, older YA. Yes. The yeah. oldest. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, I think okay. I have one more that I just want to uh, real quickly go over, and this is written by Anna Marie McLemore, and it's called Lake Lore. I can't see it, but it has a like beautiful that cover too. Yeah, it's. I to be honest, I choose a lot of my books by their covers, and that's okay. Me too. That's all I can do. <laughs> It's a beautiful book. It's also in teen. This, oh, I was going to say, my other one was under sci-fi. This one is under fantasy. And even though it's technically under fantasy, I hesitate to say that it's like super, like compared to like Aquatar or the Court of Thrones, it's like not fantasy. It's like magical realism is, you know what I mean? But it's, we have it under fantasy because of, you know, because of the themes so basically, this follows two young people. They're living, let's see, they're living in this community right next to this lake. And kind of like, it's kind of like one of those scenarios where you say like, oh, this is like a myth around the lake under it. Like there's like a whole, um, you know, group of life, different things, different stories built up about the lake, but nobody like actually believes in it. What happens is Bastion and Lore are two uh, Mexican-American teens. They're non-binary by the lake and what happens is the lake starts kind of invading their lives threatening to kind of like uncover truths that they want to keep secret you know what I mean so it's very like I guess metaphorical is the right word but it's as the lake kind of like encroaches like on their their lives what they have like hidden and know the truth about the lake is going to be revealed it's a very like poetic book it's very very new it came out uh in March 2022 yeah. And yeah, I just wanted, yeah, I wanted to promote it here. Um, a lot of people really love it. And this is, let's see, it's the eighth YA novel from Anna Marie McLemore. Um, it's an exquisite and impassioned story about two neurodivergent Mexican-American teens. They're both queer and non-binary, and they find solace in this magical lake world. So I just wanted to shout this one out. That's next on my list. So Nice. <laughs> yeah. I had a second one as well. I had, um, this is my America. And it is by Kim Johnson. Both mine are available also on Libby as ebooks and e audio. Um, this one is about 17 year old Tracy Beaumont, and his her father is a um, look at I also think it is a beautiful cover. 
Mm-hmm. It's like the art. Um, but anyway, her father is on death row. And um, for a crime he did not commit, that he has an alibi, which is his family. He was with his family when the crime was committed. And she's weakly writing to um, Innocence X, which is apparently like the Innocence Project, trying to get them to take his case. Um, And then she's also a reporter. Um, on her school newspaper, she writes like social justice columns. She's a um, community educator for Know Your Rights and, you know, really, really successful um, young woman. And her brother, who's a year older, his name is Jamal. He's the number one track star, like athlete in the whole state of Texas. And he's ready to graduate and go to his freshman year at Baylor. Um, and everything changes in one night. Um, Angela Heron, who is the editor of the school newspaper, um, and she has hinted to Tracy that um, she has a huge scoop that she's going to put into the newspaper, but she's found murdered. And Jamal, Jamal, Tracy's brother, Jamal's letter jacket is found covering her and he is gone. He's run away. Um, and he's like on the on the run. So Tracy knows he would never do anything like this, you know, but he is obviously there's trauma from his father being accused of a crime. And so he is on the run. Um, the police are totally focused on him as the murderer. So they're not really doing anything else. And you know, Tracy knows there's some secret that Angela has discovered she was planning to write about. So it's like really good. It's um, it's great for both teens and adults. It's kind of reminiscent of The Hate You Give, but also like Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. It's got, you know, themes kind of around courage and friendship and family and moral responsibility to speak up. It's a page turner because it's a mystery as well as this social commentary. Um, such a strong female teen character. She has so much perseverance and courage. Um, and it, you know, kind of goes about how trauma affects generations. You know, they, this family just deals with so much trauma, but the author is great at developing characters as well. Like I, I just, I felt like, I mean, you felt like you were going to cry and, you know, laugh and, you know, it was just really, really good. And um, you get frustrated, but oh, but overall, it's a hopeful novel, but also this mystery that you just keep reading because you want to know who killed Angela Heron, you know, so I really recommend it. It's um, really a quick read. It's it. You learn a lot. You you think a lot, and um, but it ultimately it's just a joy to read. So I totally recommend it. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna read that one too. <laughs> I like books that make me think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this has everything. Like I said, it's just I I she, this is her debut. Um, also, the author's debut, and it's really really good. I I really. It was such a quick read and I just couldn't put it down because I'm like, who who killed this girl? Obviously, you know, it's not the brother. I mean, you, but there's more to it. There's a secret and, you know, it's it's yeah. really good. Well, thank you so much for sharing those titles with us today. Um, 
I just want to reiterate all these. Um, if you want to go online to our website, you can place them on hold or definitely check Libby and Hoopla. I know mine are on there. Um, but yeah, I think that's about it. Again, this is Jen, Danielle, and Jennifer. And thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Shelf Logic. Make sure to hit subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Follow us on social media where we are at MCLDAZ.